everyone, and welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO and co-founder of MyDAO, the legal entity solution provider for DAOs. And before I did MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. This is the first of two episodes this week. In this episode, we will cover recent news, and later in the week, we'll go deeper into an interview with our guest. Speaking of our guests, would you please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background, especially what makes you an authority on DAOs? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Adam. Uh, but I'm I'm Spencer. I was I was working as a product manager in a healthcare company, and I've been aware of of Ethereum and, and Bitcoin and kind of blockchain stuff. Um, this was around like early-ish 2017. And I started to recognize all of the ways of having a like front row seat to all the problems that healthcare faces, trying to recognize what, what we now call Web3 has to offer in, in that respect. And that kind of sent me down the, the blockchain Web3 uh, rabbit hole, started learning about more, more things about smart contracts and how they work. And I was basically in all the way from from that point, but I hadn't really dove in as a builder until a little bit later. And it, that first part, that uh, the thing that allowed me to dive into the builder was really joining a DAO. And so that's uh, that was a really special experience for me. So I've been in, in DAOs, working now full time, building DAO tools, operating within DAOs for a little over uh, maybe two and a quarter years now. Uh, and basically everything since since that point has been all about all about DAOs and I, I anticipate will be for the foreseeable future. Awesome. And just to give a little bit more background, um, tell everyone what the number one project is you're working on right now. And then later we'll dive into more of the uh, stuff that you're working on. Yeah. So for the past couple of years, the, the biggest thing I've been focused on is DAO House, uh, which is a, a platform now turning more into a protocol. Uh, that helps communities uh, form DAOs and operate as uh, as DAOs that that promote the health of the community. Awesome. And our audience will have heard me talk about DAO House many times before on the show because I've always found it to be one of the leading and best uh, platforms for launching a DAO. Right? If someone's sitting there thinking, "I want to start a DAO," one really good place to look is DAO House to see uh, if you might want to launch your DAO on that platform. So thank you for the intro. Now we're going to turn to the Just Dowit news report, where I will read headlines and summarize the news stories and tweets of the week and uh, share my take. And then I will ask Spencer to weigh in with his take. We'll try to pick these articles and tweets apart, disagree, agree, uh, debate, uh, whatever we can do to help people see what's relevant about these articles for people starting DAOs. Today, we actually have a lot of tweets because there were some really good tweets in the last several days. Uh, the first tweet of the day is from Brantley Milligan or Brantley.eth. And the tweet says, happy first anniversary of ENS DAO and token launch. Among DAOs, it's been one of the most successful and active. I think this is true for at least two reasons. ENS one, ENS the protocol is genuinely useful. And two, the DAO genuinely has a critical role to play. And then he goes on to say, let me explain. And I'll just summarize for the audience. If you have not heard of ENS and ENS DAO, uh, ENS stands for Ethereum Name Service. That's the service that allows people to register any .eth name. Like I'm, I have uh, the thriller.eth and 0xthriller.eth. My DAO has mydaoDS.eth. And it acts kind of like a domain name, but in the Web3 uh, space. And as a result, it can do a lot more than domain names too. Um, and uh, what's cool about this situation is, you know, first of all, ENS is a very successful project. 
And it, it's a it's an open protocol, right? Anyone can register an ENS domain. Anyone can interact with the smart contract. And as a result, just like a lot of Web3 projects, there's not going to be one company that's going to own the project, right? You can't own the smart contract. The smart contract is out there. It lives on the blockchain. But you do still want to have some kind of governance structure for the system, for the protocol that decides, you know, if you're going to make changes, add features, change costs, um, how you want to spend the money that's made by the system over the course of its operations. And so that's what the ENS DAO does is it, it governs the protocol and, and decides how to spend the money that the protocol makes. So it's a, it's a great take. It's exciting um, that ENS DAO has been around for a year and has been very successful. Anything to add, Spencer? Well, I kind of can't believe it's been a year. Uh, so much has happened, I guess. Right. It feels longer than a year, and it also feels like that happened just, just a couple months ago. ENS has had, as a DAO, has had some ups and downs, in large part related to the uh, the, the tweeter that you were just quoting from, um, in some some great ways, some some more challenging. But I think I, I agree that ENS has been one of the most successful DAOs, and something that a lot of DAOs are really struggling that with that ENS does not struggle with is revenue and a sustainable stream of of resources mm-hmm. with which to uh, to operate and continue to to improve on on what it's doing. Namespace is one of the sort of basic forms of, of like a, a real reason to have revenue for uh, for a protocol, um, and so like ENS is is really well positioned in that sense because it just makes a ton of sense for people to pay for namespace, and they get to use all that money for for good things in in the ecosystem. A lot of DAOs have 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 a challenge right now with with that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, with generating revenue from yeah. from what they're offering. Yeah, it's it's a good point. And you know, I, I, I agree. It's surprising that it's been a whole year. I remember when the DAO forums and there was an airdrop to anyone had who had created ENS domains um, up until that point. And uh, I missed it. I, you know, for a year, I, I saw .eth and I thought, man, I should get myself a .eth, but you know, I'll get to it one day. And then, of course, uh, when the airdrop came out, I think I had just missed the window by a month or two. Um, but then amazingly, even until probably three months ago, it, you would have been really early if you had thought, hey, let me just go register a .eth for some common names or like short, like three, four, five letter words, because a few months ago it blew up and people started really speculating on and investing in these uh, .eth uh, names um, in ways that we hadn't seen before and, and made the protocol even more successful. Yeah, it's been funny to watch the like interest in and popularity of ENS names fluctuate over over time and there's like little pockets of, of different types of names that grow in popularity at, at different points i think more than just a few months ago i i started seeing amongst people that i follow on twitter like a lot of excitement about the three emoji ens names like that was the <laughs> that was the speculative action of of the month at that point but then later it became like a little different it, it's a very fascinating thing to both track and to think about all of the different things to speculate on, but but probably more importantly, yeah. all of the different use cases for something like ENS. And I'm, I'm really glad that ENS, the DAO, has been as successful as it has been, especially given some of the, the bumps that they've had, um, because it's really crucial and important infrastructure. And I'm, I'm glad yeah. that it's a DAO that is governing it, not some CEO and, and it, their like, handful of, of, of people in power. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The management team or executive team. Um, yeah. Another cool thing about this, it doesn't necessarily relate, actually it does relate to DAOs, is because the ENS system is built on the blockchain as an open protocol, not only can users interact with it directly from their wallets like MetaMask, but any address on the blockchain can interact with the smart contract, create ENS domains, manage those domains, which means other smart contracts, such as the ones that run DAOs, can also create their own domain names and own these domain names. And so you can actually have a DAO, whether it's a DAO house, DAO, or any other DAO that truly owns the, the, this, the .eth domain. Um, you don't have to have like a person go register a .com and then take responsibility for, you know, for handling and managing that. What happens if something happens to that person or they forget to renew the domain or they run away with it and go do something else? But with you know anything built on Web three, including ENS, um, groups of people through DAOs or other mechanisms, multi sigs, etc., can actually own these uh, these domains. Yeah, it's it's super crucial. I think there's there's so many things that need to be more like that. Um, tools that are ostensibly for DAOs but can't be owned and controlled by the DAO itself has to be delegated to somebody else. Delegation is great, um, but there needs to be a backstop of of distributed or decentralized control by the DAO it, it itself. I do think that largely, at least the pattern that I have seen with ENS names is that like a, still a single person will register it, but then they'll transfer it to, to the DAO once the DAO is formed or, you know, after, after a couple steps. Um, and I think that, that works great, great as well, where I've seen most DAOs like actively main, maintain control and do things with ENS names. Or I guess one example of that is giving subdomains to certain people or parties or subgroups or sub DAOs. Um, uh, at one example is so the that first DAO that I joined, which is 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 Raid Guild, the sweatshirt I'm wearing, and we this was just kind of a fun experiment, but we created a uh, a couple of smart contracts controlled by our DAO that allowed um, only our members to create subdomains of the raidguild.eth uh, ENS name. Hmm. So I have a spengra.raidguild.eth that was created not manually but through through these smart contracts. And I think there's a there's a ton of interesting use cases that that kind of unlocks. That's really cool. And it actually is a good segue into the next uh, tweet. This one is, is mostly for fun and, and I'll tie it back to what you just said, but uh, this one is from General Magic IO and the the tweet is we're proud to announce the launch of the official ENS DAO merch store ENSmerchshop.xyz. If you own an ENS domain, you can now get sweet ENS swag shipped worldwide by simply connecting your wallet and placing an order. Now I don't know if this actually is official or not. I tried quickly to, to validate that, but whether or not it's official, I went to the website. It made me prove that I own the Thriller.eth. And once I proved it by signing a message with my crypto wallet, it allowed me to order the thriller.eth on a hat uh, in the style that they're doing for this, this whole drop. Um, so uh, encourage others to do the same. And the connection is that it actually verified that I own the domain, right? So there, the, and, and so similar to, I think, what you're saying about sub, sub DAOs and subdomains, I'm imagining that smart contract makes sure that you're a member of the DAO. And only if you're actually a member of the DAO, which it can verify on chain, then it will allow you to create the subdomain. Is that right? Yeah, totally. No, no need to trust any admins or whatever in the DAO to check the spreadsheet with your name and address or whatever. It's all just 
trustless and maybe more importantly, in some cases, automated, which is really nice. Ooh. I'm going to have yeah. to go check that that out. That sounds that sounds <laughs> pretty cool. And I think the, probably the coolest thing about it is that it doesn't even have to be official to to work. Uh, yeah, right. It's permissionless sort of sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. And I saw that the account is followed by ens.eth and ensdao.eth on Twitter. So unless this is a really elaborate scam, it's, it seems real. And it was only 30 bucks. I kind of thought they were going to charge like $100 for this thing, but it was 30 bucks. So definitely check it out. Um, I, I, let me, I want to go back to another thing you were talking about, though, a few minutes ago, which is that uh, when someone's buying an ENS domain name, uh, when a DAO is buying one, they often delegate and have someone buy it first and then transfer it to the DAO. I, I'm making an assumption that I want to check with you. Is that because it's actually much easier for a person to buy it than to actually have a DAO interact with the smart contract in the way that's required to buy a domain directly? Um, or or if, if not, what is the reason that you would do that? I think there's a few reasons. So the, the most common one is tip is often that um, the the ENS name precedes the formation of the DAO in its sort of like bigger form. Um, so like somebody may decide, like may have an idea that eventually turns into a DAO, but what sh closer to when they have the idea, they get the ENS name. Um, just like you may buy a, a a web domain like before you build the product because you just want to. You want to have it and uh, sort of protect yourself. Make sure you you have the name that you want. But probably more importantly, or like more interestingly, whenever a DAO is executing a transaction, typically there is some amount of time that's required to allow the the proposal that actually is going to execute that transaction to pass through the various phases of the DAO's governance. Um, there's some off-chain stuff like people socially deciding whether this is a good idea. Um, but more importantly, there's the on-chain proposal that's happening. And in a DAO house DAO, as, as an example, that there would be a voting period that might be one to five to maybe more days, depending on the size of the DAO and the security parameters that it wants to, to have for itself. And then there'll be a grace period, basically like a cool down period after the proposal has passed to ensure that nothing, nothing weird is happening. And we can get way more into the importance of that at, later in the week, I think. But that time where that that proposal is on chain is actually potentially risky from an ENS domain registration perspective. Some oh. but some other DAO or some other person could front run them if they saw that proposal, which is public on chain, oh, that this wow. DAO that like say uh, Spencer DAO wants to buy the SpencerDAO.eth domain, some competing Spencer DAO could see that and then have just somebody run out and, and buy it before the proposal that my actual DAO put together would actually pass and get executed. That's such a good point. I had not thought of that at all. Um, makes perfect sense. Okay, very interesting. Um, I, I want to go a little deeper because I can't help it. This is getting into some pretty technical stuff. But um, you know, I remember about a year ago when I was experimenting with Dow House and other Dow platforms, it, it was pretty hard to interact with any arbitrary smart contract on the blockchain, like buying an ENS domain, I think it's two or three transactions over the course of a few minutes. And um, even if you had full control of the DAO, if it was a one person DAO, it's hard to actually get the DAO smart contracts to interact with any other smart contract any way that you want. It was like there were some pre-built ones, but beyond that, it was hard. Is that yeah. still generally the case? or And, and what's, the, what's the state of kind of allowing DAOs to interact with smart contracts on the, on the, on the web? 
Yeah, so this is so this is not really a technical problem. It's more of a user experience problem, which of course okay. has some technical components to it. There are some fundamental trade-offs at, at play, some fundamental constraints or challenges that make it hard to create the perfect UX for every situation for a DAO. Um, mm. So uh, DAO House, I, I, and I don't know exactly when you were you were playing around with this, but at some point in the last, I don't know, year or so, I, I lose track of time sometimes, um, we did introduce a, a more custom transaction builder that allows somebody who is a little bit more technically minded, who is familiar with the way smart contract functions work to kind of craft a, a transaction that the DAO will, will execute. And that basically involves finding the address of the smart contract it wants to inter the DAO wants to interact with, entering that into a field, picking from a dropdown list the, uh, the function that transaction will be calling, and then entering the parameters of that function. So there's a little bit of technical know-how required for that kind of thing. It's very similar to the Gnosis Safe, or I guess I should say now the Safe yeah. Transaction Builder kind of concept, or what you mm -hmm. might get on, on Etherscan or some other block mm -hmm. explorer mm -hmm. when you connect your wallet to a and, and can fill out trend like fill out function information to create a transaction. That's like the sort of the fallback for for the 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 breadth of of things like the wide like the long tail of contracts that a DAO might want to interact with, but it's definitely not ideal for most people to do. Or there's also to, like totally reasonable scenarios that even a very technical person would struggle with different inputs into those into the function that's going to be called being codified in some way that's not really human readable or human creatable, like uh, it's formatted in some arcane kind of data structure. When you when you're dealing with those functions, even a really technical person needs to like have some sort of user interface to help them craft that and kind of do the formatting of the the actual human readable stuff uh, on their behalf. So there there definitely needs to be more apps. So like one of the one of the challenges that DAO House faces is it wants to ideally wants to make everybody allow everybody or and anybody to create any kind of transaction for their DAO proposal that they'd like. But if you want to create a U like a for everything, that's a really hard like that would take forever to create a UI for every single app that's out there. So one option is to like pull the existing UI that that app has or that that project has created for itself into into the DAO interface. But there's there's also challenges with that. So there's sort of like this trade-off between breadth and like a really good friendly user experience and this idea of like sequential transactions. So like one common pattern, very common pattern is when you're doing something where there's a token involved, this happens all over the place in, in DeFi, you first need to approve the, the, the app or the contract that you're going to be interacting with to transfer the token that's in your wallet. So it'll pull it out mm -hmm. of your wallet and then do what it needs to do in its contract. Approve and then do the transaction you really want to do if you're gonna, if you want to do those as two separate DAO transactions, you might have to wait a while for, for the first one mm -hmm. and then do the second one. And by the time you do mm -hmm. that one, maybe things have conditions have changed and you don't actually want to do it anymore. So mm -hmm. being able to sequence those things in in ways that is both like easy and like friendly for for especially non-technical users is is a real challenge. So there's a lot of work yeah. to be done in that area on on, on the user experience. 
Very interesting. Well, thanks for going deep with me on that. Yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. <laughs> Might have been a little <laughs> too deep, most... but I'm happy to do it anytime. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think it's one of the most interesting challenges for, for Dow tooling. Um, all right. We're going to turn to another tweet unrelated to what we've been talking about so far. Uh, this one is from uh, Kara, uh, or Kara Kittle uh, is her uh, username. And the tweet is, guys would literally rather make a DAO of DAOs than go to therapy. <laughs> And uh, I love this. (laughs) So, and you know, sometimes jokes like they 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 bring out the truth. Like, what? Like, why do I think that's so funny? Because there's maybe some truth in it. Um, You know, it's 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 poking fun at for one thing, just people creating DAOs about anything, and even DAOs of DAOs actually is a real thing that people need to do. And there's actually a DAO house, DAO of DAOs. Um, But but I think the point she's making is like they'll create any kind of DAO. Right, rather than maybe talking about their feelings, and uh, even though I'm a guy, I, I think this is pretty funny. Um, it actually did remind me of a book called Uncanny Valley that I read uh, maybe a couple years ago, which was written by a woman who worked in Silicon Valley for several years, where she was often surrounded by a lot of guys, and she she made a compelling argument that has always stuck with me that maybe for a lot of men, business is like our way of getting our feelings out. And like where maybe a woman would actually talk about her feelings, a guy will like go through some like complex strategy discussion, but really that like, those are just like, it's, it's a mental model for like talking about our feelings. Um, and I thought that was interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's exactly right, um, but maybe there's something there. <laughs> Business and sports, I think, are the, <laughs> the right. Uh, yeah, sports. The, good the point. Big emotional outlets for <laughs> for men who may not have other, uh, not allow them to have other emotion themselves have other emotional outlets. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So good one. All right. Enough said on that. Um, the next tweet is, and the last tweet we'll cover today. We'll turn to articles. This one is from the Dow Research Collective, which we've talked about on the show in the past. And the tweet is, earlier this year, our friends at Dow Star One completed their drafting of Ethereum Improvement Proposal, EIP 4824, Common Interfaces for DAOs. And the tweet goes on to describe that um, what's happening here is this organization is proposing uh, an EIP, which is a, a way of, uh, of kind of submitting to the whole Ethereum community, hey, why don't we all create a standard for how we do a certain type of thing a certain way? And in this case, the standard that's being proposed is to create a common interface for DAOs, which which basically is, is a computer science term, but I mean, basically interface means like a standard way that people and objects will, uh, people and, pro- and programs will interact with this type of thing. So kind of like ERC-20 is the uh, proposal and the standard for a token, for fungible token interfacing, right? It says that the token must do things like allow you to transfer it to someone else and have an owner, maybe give permission to a contract to use it. Um, so this proposal would create a common set of things that every DAO, or at least DAO that follows this uh, standard, would have to do. Um, I think it's really interesting because in some ways there's so much value when you can create a standard like this. I mean, it would allow, for example, for people to build new apps made for DAOs, knowing that every DAO or at least everyone that follows the standard would be able to work with that app. Right. Kind of like every app in Web3 knows how to work with an ERC20 token um, because they all follow the same standard. Um, At the same time, I don't know, DAOs are very... 
uh, human oriented. They're all, they're all about governance uh, in a lot or most cases. I wonder, I, I just feel like DAOs are something where every DAO is different. And would I mean to me, DAOs are the future of like companies, charities, clubs, governments, and like things we haven't even invented yet. Can you really create a common model that like a high school chess club, a for-profit company, a non-profit company, and a city government would all be able to follow? And, and I'm not sure. So curious, Spencer, what your take is on this one? Yeah, I, th I think if this is the, I know that DAO Star One has been working on a few different things. If this is the one that I am, that I think it is, I, I believe this one primarily focuses on um, creating a standard interface for a DAO to kind of expose to applications and other users and and other other people um, metadata or information about the DAO, about its members, about its maybe its proposal process. Although I'm, I'm kind of guessing here, so it focuses more on kind of the metadata side of things giving applications a way to learn more about the DAO, to learn how to how to represent it um, in an application, then trying to create a standard for how a DAO would work or the the logic of, of the DAO. I, I think you're you're totally right that no two DAOs are are the same. And there's certainly going to be DAOs that are very, very different from each other that really require significantly different kind of mechanisms for you know, crafting their own own logic and and dealing with their own uh, their own structure. Cool, that's a great take. And 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 paging through the tweet, I, I think you're right that that's that is what this is mainly about. Um, so yeah, re really good take. All right, turning to the next article. This is actually a blog post uh, from uh, on Medium on in the ETH sign account. That's E T H S I G N ETH sign. Uh, introducing Token Table, uh, their new product, which is kind of like a cap table management for DAOs or for token-based uh, projects. And uh, one reason I wanted to bring this up is because I've become fascinated recently by the ETH sign uh, project, which primarily uh, intends to bridge the world of legal written documents like PDFs that you want to have people sign with the world of web three, where people don't want to like write their English name or whatever and physically sign or even DocuSign something, they want to use their crypto wallet to sign something. And so EatSign allows them to uh, sign basically a PDF that gets uploaded, I think to IPFS, um, the distributed file uh, service, uh, file storage service, and then sign a hash of that file with your wallet. And now effectively you have signed the document. Uh, and now they're coming out with this other product. So uh, anything to add on this one, Spencer? Uh, I have not heard of this particular project, but it sounds pretty cool. I think I'm going to kind of guess here that the the value prop is basically allowing a, a some entity, maybe a DAO or some other kind of crypto-focused startup or, or business, to uh, sign in investment agreements of some sort with, uh, well, I guess investors that are done through the legal system, but allow mm -hmm. all of those to be signed, I guess, potentially anonymously with with Ethereum wallets rather than something like DocuSign or whatever, which is more, which might be attached to, to people's names, which is pretty cool. Yep. It, it, it feels like a necessary intermediate step before we get to the point where we can just do all of this stuff on chain natively anyways, mm -hmm. and don't mm -hmm. have to deal with legal contracts at all. Mm -hmm. But I think we're 
it's going to be a, a while before we get to that point. A lot of uh, you know legal and regulatory work probably required to to make that to make that possible. So in the yeah. in the interim, it's nice to see a a solution that's helping get a little take baby steps towards that world. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I had been thinking about building something similar myself before I found ETH Sign, and I was going to call it Block You Sign, which seemed like just such an obviously <laughs> yeah. great name. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually told that to someone on their team. So may, maybe they'll take 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 that up and and uh, change their name. We'll see. Um, <laughs> turning to the uh, second to last article of the week, the is from CoinDesk, and the headline is: Crypto investor A16Z wants to join Uki Dow Defense against CF. FTC. And Drayson Horowitz, A16Z, is just the latest entity looking to argue the commodities regulator must serve its lawsuit against individual members of the DAO, not the DAO itself. So this article really surprised me, I'll be honest, because when I heard that A16Z was going to support UkiDAO, which we've talked about for the last like six weeks on the show, um, I assumed they were trying to protect the individual members from liability, not tell the judge that they should simply be serving the individual members directly rather than serving them through the DAO's discussion forum. And, and, and that, that just, so I just, I, I felt like this is kind of uh, odd to even say that this, this uh, argument is even trying to, is even supportive of the DAO. It, to me, it seems to make a very small difference whether people are being served directly or through the DAO's discussion forum. I think what's more important is like, are these DAO members liable in the first place and protecting them or future DAOs that end up in similar situations and their members from liability? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I, I definitely don't know many of the details, so I'm a little hesitant to, to speculate here, but maybe just speaking as, as somebody who is a member of a number of DAOs, it is a little bit scary to think that just by being a, a member of of a DAO, if something happens with that DAO that leads to somebody suing it in some fashion, or it be some kind of regulatory enforcement happening from one of the regulatory agencies, that I as an individual could be could be liable. Um, I know that there are people been talking like warning about this concept, where like in a legal sense. DAOs may be considered, DAOs that don't have any kind of legal wrapper may just default as, or be default considered as general partnerships for which all of the individual members are like themselves liable, um, which sounds pretty scary, but uh, maybe this is like a, maybe, maybe this is like that uh, manifesting. Yeah. So, so definitely something to, to be mindful of, I suppose. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, and that's what we've been telling people at MyDAO because it's we're in the business of providing legal entities that exactly that, that, you know, we expect DAOs to be treated as general partnerships unless they have some other approach, like forming a legal entity. And a lot of lawyers I've talked to recently have said that they've been telling their clients that for a long time and only now are they listening because now we're actually seeing an example or second example of this coming to pass. All right. Uh, the last article, I'm just going to tell you about it, audience. Uh, we're not going to discuss it. This also from Coindesk. The headline is Vitalik Buterin's Proof of Stake, the Coindesk Mega Review. What a decade of essays covering everything from soulbound tokens to super rational DAOs says about Ethereum and crypto. This is just a great article. Um, it looks at all of Vitalik's uh, essays over the last decade and, and breaks down like the common themes, uh, key points, 
uh, lessons learned that the authors of this article felt were most important. So I just recommend people check that out if you want to see what one of the leading thoughts ever in crypto has to say about a lot of different stuff, including DAOs. So uh, that does it for the Just Dow It News report. Uh, as a reminder, tune in again later in the week for an interview where we go more in depth with Spencer and his background, the challenges he's, see he's seen DAO's faces, more about what DAO House is up to and advice that he has for people starting DAO's. Uh, for now, Spencer, would you please tell the audience where can they find you and your projects on the web and on social? Best place to look for, for Dow House is at DowHouse.club. A lot of links kind of from that, that homepage, including our app and documentation and a bunch of other, other resources, including a link to our Discord community where a lot of action happens. Best place to find me is on Twitter at uh, Spengra. Uh, yeah, that's the best place. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller. MyDAO is at MyDAODS. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S on Twitter and MyDAO.org. And for the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just DAO it is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just Dow It does not contain any legal or financial advice. My Dow also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly. <laughs>